In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Over a year ago, in a few months, I was walking down Carrollton Street in New Orleans. And I was walking with Brother Todd, a fellow Anglican Dominican friar, and we were both wearing the black and white robes of our order. Traffic passed on the street, Foot traffic passed on the sidewalk. When suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, a guy on a bicycle rose right up to us. He was dressed very casually, and he asked, Are you Dominicans? We looked at each other and said, Yes. And then he immediately followed up with, Episcopal Dominicans? And we said, Yes. We had been successfully identified by the black and white robes of our order, which are called habits. And due to the fact that St. Andrew's Episcopal Church, also on Carrollton Street, was right behind us. Uh, All over the place, for years, I have had people come up to me and say, Are you a Dominican? Why? Because I was wearing the habit. Today's lesson from the second Sunday in Pentecost point to a different sort of habit, a habit that you should wear that would point out your identity, even to complete strangers. Today's lessons point to a habit that you should wear that would reveal your identity, even to complete strangers. Our Old Testament lesson takes us all the way back to a moment of historical, political, and religious significance for the nation of Israel. And this moment's consequences roll throughout the pages of history, they roll throughout the pages of the scriptures, and they roll right up to your life and mine as followers of Jesus, the consequences of this very passage. Check it out. 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 5. All the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old. And your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. This first lesson from the appointed readings from today highlights a truth of the Hebrew scriptures. A theme of the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament. Back in biblical times, Israel had this self-understanding that they had a special mission from God as a nation. To be a light to the rest of the nations. To be a nation that through its actions, through the way of life of its citizens, and through the worship of its people, would point to the world, to the ways and will of the Lord. Now Samuel, who shows up in this lesson, is a judge and a prophet. And he spent his whole life, because he's an old man now, committed to this idea of Israel's special calling to be a light to the world. And so when the crowd show up and ask for a king, he's disappointed by this request. Why? Because God was supposed to be Israel's king. They were not supposed to be like other nations. They were supposed to be different as a nation. Holy, set apart following the ways and will of the Lord, not the ways and will of the world. Nonetheless, God basically says, to summarize, all right, Samuel, go ahead, give the people what they want. 
And the first lesson ends this way, 1 Samuel 11, 14 through 15. Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and there renew the kingship. So all the people went to Gilgal and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed offerings of well-being before the Lord. And there Saul and all the Israelites rejoiced greatly. Well, so began the long saga of Israel's kings. Did most of the rulers of Israel, did most of these kings rule according to the ways and will of the Lord? No. Most of them led the nation away from the ways and will of the Lord. Samuel had warned them about this and said, Hey, you sure you want a king? Because all this stuff is going to happen. Well, Samuel's predictions about the pitfalls of kingship came to pass with prophetic precision. Fast forwarding several centuries from Saul and Samuel to St. Paul. St. Paul is writing to a congregation largely of Greek Christians. Brand new to the Christian faith, which itself is brand new. In the very first century, in today's second lesson appointed for the readings, from 2 Corinthians. These new believers are experiencing hardship. These people are going through very difficult times. Why? Because of their faith. The faith is being persecuted. They're receiving pushback. And so the apostle writes to them in verse 14, encouraging them to sort of stick with it. But as you hear verse 14, see if you notice a particular phrase. See if you notice a phrase. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So St. Paul is encouraging these Greek Christians to persevere, to keep at it, to endure and not give up on their new faith. Did you notice that he used that phrase, the Lord Jesus? That phrase comes up a lot throughout the pages of the New Testament. Sometimes it's Lord Jesus. Sometimes it's Christ Jesus. So we hear Jesus Christ. We hear the Lord Jesus. We hear Christ Jesus. Christ is not a surname. It's not a last name. You wouldn't look in the Nazareth directory and it would say... Jesus Christ, or the Christ family. Christ is a title, anointed one, Messiah, even in certain sense, king. Who is Jesus a descendant of? David, who succeeded Saul as the king of Israel. Part of the radical message of the early church, they made it very controversial, was that the kingship of Israel found its true fulfillment and purpose in the life and teachings and death and resurrection of Jesus. Many Jews accepted this. Many Jews rejected this. So a way to think about it in terms of us today, that in a certain sense, to say that one is a Christian is to say, my primary identity is as a citizen of the kingdom of God. To say, yeah, I look to Christ as my example. I try to follow the teachings of Jesus. I'm Episcopalian, which is a particular kind of Christian. Whatever is to say, I seek to be a part of that kingdom, his kingdom. And Christ is my king. Or as it says in the prayer book, in the liturgies for baptism and confirmation, 
It uses the language of Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Okay, great. But citizens of the kingdom of God, followers of Jesus, a lot of different denominations, we come pretty much from every nation, tribe, and language. So how are we to be identified by complete strangers? How are you to pick out a Christian from the crowd? Are we all supposed to wear crosses? Are we all supposed to wear habits? Well, certainly wearing symbols of our faith can be helpful and devotional. But that's not the primary way that you and I are to be identified as citizens of the kingdom of God, even by complete strangers. So how then are we to be identified? Jesus spells this out for us in a remarkable encounter recorded for us in today's gospel lesson, which we heard from St. Mark. Jesus is at home. It's very unusual that we find Jesus at home in the Gospels. He's in his hometown. And the house is swelling with people who are shuffling around to look in on this debate that Jesus is having with these religious authorities, scribes. The scribes are basically a group of inquisitors in this case. They come all the way from the big city of Jerusalem to check out all this Jesus business they've heard about and see what he's up to. And they're not saying very flattering things about him. But everybody wants to be there to see what's happening. Sort of like a live courtroom drama. And during the debate, Jesus' mom and his siblings show up. But because of the crowd, they can't get to him. Mary and family are sort of stuck outside. And so somebody tells Jesus this in Mark 4.32. Your mother and your brother and sisters are outside asking for you. Jesus replies in verse 33. Who are my mother and my brothers? Verse 34. Here are my mother and brothers. Now, pay attention. Listen. This is the take-home message. This is the big message. This is the social media post for your life. Verse 35. Jesus says, Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. So that's how you and I are to be identified by others, even complete strangers, as citizens of the kingdom of God, as a disciple of Jesus. People should be able to notice that in us by noticing that our lives are guided by the will of God. That's the habit you and I should seek to develop. The habit of doing God's will. You say you're going to do that at least multiple times a week, at least once a week. You promise God Almighty, the divine reality, that you will do that. You say that every time you pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. If you don't mean to, don't pray the Lord's Prayer. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to say, I'm not sure. I have doubts. It's all good to do that. But recognize that when you pray that prayer, you're saying, you're really saying, Lord, through me, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Now, with the help of the Spirit, 
the more you live into the will of God, not perfectly, certainly not perfectly, that's never going to happen for any of us, but the more you strive to live into the will of God faithfully, the more often people will come up to you and say, maybe not in these exact words, are you a Christian? Are you committed to beauty? Are you committed to goodness? Are you committed to truth? Are you committed to God? What's going on here? That's a habit worth wearing. That's a habit worth developing. The habit of doing God's will. Now, God's will always begins with Jesus' big commandment. Love God, love neighbor. If you're wrestling what you should do in a situation, if you're wrestling what your faith is instructing you to do, you've got to start there. Love God, love neighbor. It all begins from there. Now, of course, it can be hard to sort out the specific details of God's will, can't it? It's really hard to sort that out in some situations. But that's why we have the gift of the scriptures and the gift of prayer to help us discern the right thing, to discern the will of God. That's why we have each other as spiritual family, to help us discern the will of God, the right thing to do. And that's also why we have a king to lead the way, our Lord Jesus. So, wear the habit, the habit of doing the will of God. Or to say it differently, the habit of love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.